Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Craig. And I'm Todd. And today, well, actually, lately, Todd has been very generous in letting me select uh, the movies that we talk about. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm afraid that eventually he's going to start to regret that decision. <laughs> Are you talking about today's movie by chance? <laughs> All right. So this today's movie is uh, from 1987. It is uh, Dolls, directed by Stuart Gordon. It's a Charles Band production. Uh, it was written by Ed Naha. And I picked this movie mostly because uh, I found it on Amazon Prime, and I remembered really liking this movie as a kid. This is one of the movies that I remember distinctly from the video store because the box art was very simple but very cool. It was just this doll holding its own eyeballs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, uh, you know, just the very simple title, Dolls. And for whatever reason, that was very appealing to me as a kid. Uh, I found it spooky and interesting. And I remember making my dad rent this for me multiple times and I remembered really enjoying it so I was really looking forward to going back and watching it plus it's only an hour and 17 minutes long which is also a bonus <laughs> we like short movies <laughs> <laughs> it's true and so I was I was stoked to uh, sit down and watch it again and frankly okay like I don't know if I want to say I was disappointed because still the things that I think that I liked about it as a kid are still there. It it has an interesting charm, and it is one of those movies that I feel like I don't know if it was intentionally geared towards kids. Uh, in fact, I don't think that it was. But there's something about it that I think is appealing to kids because I don't know. It doesn't really. It, it kind of comes from the perspective of the child actress uh, who plays the lead role. But there's also um, some good uh, practical effects and, and gore effects, and those things I still appreciate. Beyond that, mm, <laughs> is it the greatest movie? No, probably not. <laughs> Do you have any history with this movie at all? Had you seen it before? <laughs> well, a lot like you, Craig, I uh, remember seeing the box art, the doll with this eyes pulled out and a little bit of a skull face underneath there. Uh, but no, I never rented this before. I wouldn't have even imagined that it is what I would almost consider, almost consider, a kid's horror movie. Yeah. Especially when you look at who made it. Um, you've got Stuart Gordon here, who's the reanimator guy. Yep. Charles Band, who did the Puppet Master and all that stuff. Although those movies aren't terribly brutal or anything like that. Mm. It was actually, in the course of investigating this movie, after I watched it, that I realized that that crew of people, Ed Naha, Stuart Gordon, and Brian Usna, all three were responsible for writing Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, that's right. You've told me that before. That's funny. Yeah. So um, I guess I shouldn't have been too too surprised that they can kind of, that you know, that they're flexible people. But yeah, coming from Stuart Gordon and remembering what a kind of crazy movie a Reanimator was, and definitely a little bit more in the schlocky horror fair, I was surprised to see that this was almost a kid's movie. And you're right, it comes from that kid's perspective, and that's what's so charming about it. But it's really, it's definitely not a perfect film. <laughs> no, and, it's it's not, but I feel like it had a lot of potential. It did. It's like it fell flat. You know, it just fell a little short of that potential, right? Yeah, this, this strikes me as something that is ripe for a remake. Like, I feel like they yes. could do a lot more with it given the opportunity you know it's interesting i i don't remember exactly how it came about but i believe it was uh the the producer one of the producers who came across this concept art i don't know if they commissioned it or if they just found it somewhere but they had to begin with that box cover concept art of the doll holding its own eyeballs and they wanted to just go from there Um, (laughs) and and they had this idea of you know a movie about a killer doll and the producer just said you know what they gave the writer ed naha they said you've got complete freedom but we want it to be about a killer doll and you've got to incorporate this box art somehow 
into the movie. <laughs> and and this is where it went. And you know, it's it's very much akin to Puppet Master. I mean, it, it is. you know, you could almost if they had chosen to call this Puppet Master 5 or whatever it would have been at the time, that would have been appropriate and and they could have easily, you know, used some of their classic Puppet Master dolls in place of some of these more generic dolls. Um, and it would have felt very much like a Puppet Master movie. Because it is. I mean, that's what you've got. You've got a bunch of killer dolls basically running around and causing havoc. But it's got this cute little setup. Yeah. We start out with this family on the road. Um, and the dad is David, uh, played by Ian Patrick Williams. Uh, the stepmother, she's not the child's mother, which they make great pains of, of making very clear, <laughs> Rosemary. And she's played by Carolyn Purdy Gordon, who is the director's wife and who apparently starred in several of his movies. Um, and then the little girl named Judy, played by Carrie Lorraine. And they are out on vacation, apparently, somewhere in Europe because they drive on the other side of the car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they end up getting stuck in this big thunderstorm and they have to, you know, as often happens in these types of movies, they have to uh, find somewhere to get out of the storm and they, of course they find this big creepy mansion. Yeah. One of the things that I find interesting about the movie now and I don't remember noticing it so much as when I, when I was a kid and maybe it's because when I was a kid you're less observant of over the top s- sorts of things but one of the things that just struck me from the beginning is that these parents are just awful yeah. they're just horrible awful people <laughs> who are just terrible and mean to this poor little girl <laughs> and she's so sweet like she's this sweet cute little thing um and they are just nasty like when the car breaks down the dad has to get out and push and of course the mom is just over the top awful like she's this rich bitch for lack of a better word and it's obvious that they don't want this little girl with them and like they they don't even try to hide that fact no. from the kid <laughs> they're saying it in front of her they're saying this stuff to her <laughs> yeah use a little help out here dearest unless you plan on levitating this thing i think it's here to stay oh, damn daddy i'm gonna kill that kid stand in line yeah, you expect the sort of evil stepmother trope. You you don't expect the the, the jerk ass dad who also doesn't want her around, right? And especially, you know, they do a good job of making Rosemary. You know, she looks like an evil stepmother. You know, she's yeah. she's all glammed out in her like turban and too much makeup and her fur coat. Um, but the dad looks like a nice dad from a movie, but he's not. He's horrible, too. <laughs> Why does he even have custody? What's the deal there? <laughs> exactly. Apparently, the the uh, Judy's mom lives in Boston or something, and she, Judy, spends the summers with her, par- with her dad. And at some point in the movie, the dad's like, I know you don't like spending the summer with me. Guess what? I don't really like it either. Like- <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's terrible. And it's also terrible. Like, you know, what you're saying is so true um when you're quoting these lines so much of this movie what part of what's really flawed about it is the writing is like that right yeah the writing just tells spells out everything for us as if we can't figure it out for ourselves at some point the characters are going to say something and point things out to the audience time and time again well and i've seen it online described you know i was reading about like the critical reception of it and it got really mixed critical reviews at the time some critics liked it some didn't one of them called it uh, a modern day fairy tale and i don't remember where it went that but i get that it is kind (laughs) of like a modern day fairy tale in that the characters are very one note and uh over the top and the writing really is not that good i guess unless you're a kid and you don't really question motivation like for example when they are making their way in the 
rain to this old spooky mansion. Judy's just walking along behind him, and for no reason, the stepmom turns around and grabs her teddy bear out of her arms, and Judy's like, that's Teddy. He's my best friend. We go everywhere together. And she's like, well, not today. And she just throws <laughs> it in the woods. Like, for no reason. Like, yeah. That was so mean. <laughs> she makes some flippant comment like, um, uh, we'll move a lot faster without this guy or whatever. But like, no, she, she's just holding him in his arms and <laughs> in her arms and she's walking along just fine behind you. But it's 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 pretty bad. And also, it's really not raining, even though it's supposed to be raining. Right. When they're inside the car, it's raining on the window. As soon as they step outside the car, it's not raining. When they're walking down the street, it's not raining. Although they talk about how it's raining and they're getting yeah. wet. <laughs> <laughs> the the good thing about I I mean it's a setup because you know she throws this teddy bear out into the woods and then Judy who apparently is known for having a vivid imagination plays out this whole fantasy in her mind where the teddy bear grows to like beyond life size and it's so wonderful <laughs> yeah it's really good and like it comes out of the woods looking like a teddy bear but then like it busts out of its teddy bear seams to reveal this terrifying not realistic looking but like this monstrous bear that then gruesomely like dismembers and eats the parents and and then turns towards her and like shrugs his shoulders like mm. yeah because <laughs> she says teddy no and it turns around like oops sorry (laughs) (laughs) i love that bit actually i thought that as as clunky as that was setting that up i thought it really set a tone or at least it was trying to set a tone for what you know the movie is going to be like that it's it's going to be a bit of a comedy uh and it's also going to be a little kiddish uh-huh. Right. Again, yeah. p- points out that, like you said, this is going to be from the perspective of the girl and has to do a lot with her imagination. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, once once we hear later on when they keep talking about her imagination in, in such a nasty way. Look, I know you don't enjoy spending your summers with me. I don't like it either. But I'm sick of you lying all the time. OK, I don't want to hear it anymore. No more fairies, elves, princesses. Ghosts, goblins, talking trees. I'm sick of it all, okay? I don't want to hear any more stories for the rest of the summer. Now get out of here. Go to bed. But, out. But, Daddy. Better do what he says, short stuff. He may not be able to give you a swat, but I can. And that in and of itself is just awful. Like, stop having an imagination, kid. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. Like, it's a kid. Leave her alone. But the other thing that I like about that scene is that it, it evidences the fact that there are some really cool practical effects going on in this movie. Yes. And um, the when there is violence and, and gore and bloodshed, it looks good. Like, it, it, the, the scene in which it occurs may be ridiculous, but the, the effects themselves actually look quite good, and I, I was impressed with that. It is, and this is, I think, something we said about Puppet Master 2, right? About how... As, as ridiculous as it gets at times, that we thought that it did a pretty good job of making these puppets look real. Yeah. And giving them personality. That's surprising, honestly, because how much, even like Barbarella, have you ever seen Barbarella? No. Those little dolls in that movie that uh, I think it actually shot around the same time this did. Uh, even they don't look as um, realistic as these dolls do when they're moving around and, and doing stuff. It's really quite cool. I haven't seen it, but I did read that they were inspired by that movie for the look of these dolls in this movie. Did you really? Are you yeah. kidding me? No, I read that. Well, I, I'm, there must be some like subconscious connection because at least one of those dolls looked exactly like the d- little dolls that come after Jane Fonda and Barbarella in one of the scenes. And, and I, it was just sprung to my head. So it's interesting to hear. Well, I guess that's why. There you go. (laughs) My other favorite part of this movie is now, so they come to this house and they go in, um, they knock on the door and nobody answers. And so they sneak inside uh, into the basement, again, to get out of the rain that's not there. Right. And it's funny because uh, as they go inside, uh, suddenly the rain comes down again on this girl. And as they come inside and pull her into it, suddenly everybody's dry again. Even (laughs) though mom is complaining about how the rain ruined her fur coat, which looks completely dry (laughs) there's like so much of this going on in the movie too that's a little distracting but again like you said as a kid you probably overlook this sort of thing yeah they come in and the little girl sees a little something out of the corner of her eye but and we do too but we don't get a quick enough 
we don't get a, a long enough look at it. It just looks like maybe little yellow glowing eyes or something in right. the corner. Yeah. And this is another neat thing about this movie is this build that it gives. Whereas as we go into this house and as we're going through this house, through, throughout the house, um, you just see little movements. You see dolls. You see them sometimes they're there. Sometimes they seem to disappear. Sometimes they seem to be looking in a, in one direction in one frame and then uh, another direction when the when the shot comes back to it. Uh, and it's so subtle in many cases and so quick that it's really creepy. It is creepy. It's done really well, I think. It, it's subtle to the extent that like it's just little things that happen but they also make no mystery of the fact that these oh, yeah. dolls move and, you know and are animated you know like you see it from the very beginning it's it's not you're no not question. asking right you're not asking yourself oh are they really no they Did they I are yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a close up of a face it looks left and right you know right. Like something like that Exa- and like so the doll's eyes will be a little bit bloodshot they look, <laughs> they look pretty cool but I love this setting. This house looks fantastic. It does. This is such a great haunted house. It's kind of like a haunted house movie. It's like a classic haunted house movie. The way the set is decorated, the the layout of the house, and the sweet older couple who live there, mm-hmm. who have just enough of a sinister edge. Just enough. Yeah, not much. Just enough. No, it's like they seem okay. Like, like at first you think, oh man, these guys stepped into the lion's den. But then as the scenes go on and we get to know more about this couple and um, their names are Gabriel and Hillary mm-hmm. and they're older and they're both recognizable actors um, and an actress in this movie. Actually, uh, Hillary, uh, you might have recognized from Don't Look Now. Oh, no, I didn't recognize her. That's funny. She's she's the blind woman. No, I didn't notice that. And I didn't know if they were recognizable or if they were just... So archetype. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. But in a good way. You know, like mm-hmm. this old British couple, and he's tall and distinguished and handsome, um, and she's a little bit more diminutive, but they're both gray-haired, and they just seem like this sweet couple and and they like it's almost ridiculous how inviting they are like yes yes they greet them in the basement with the shotgun because (laughs) these people broke into their (laughs) house but as soon as they see that they have a little girl with them then they're very welcoming and inviting and say you can stay here that's fine eventually some other people show up this guy this this bigger guy uh ralph and when i say bigger i don't mean like you know morbidly obese and i also don't mean like uh, you know professional wrestler just you know this kind of portly nice looking guy um he shows up and he has picked up these two hitchhikers who we actually saw on the street when the other people were driving along who are dressed in their best Madonna drag. Like, yeah, (laughs) one of them is dressed specifically like Madonna and the other one is very much inspired and actually wears the boy toy belt that Madonna wore in the eighties. Yeah. And they're funny. And they have the heaviest Cockney accents you could, they could possibly muster. Absolutely. And uh, I didn't recognize either of them, but one of them, Isabel, was the girl, the the hot girl from the AHA Take On Me video. Which oh, is, really? Yeah, which is one of the greatest music videos of all time. Of all time. Um, and one of the best songs of all time, too. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Um, but, <laughs> the, you know, they're totally playing to type. Punk 80s hooligans. Right, right. Bunty Bailey was her name. (laughs) That's a great name. (laughs) Is that Um, a given name? (laughs) uh, I I don't know. (laughs) But so all these people show up, and it turns out that Gabriel is a toy maker, which and and he has this little monologue where he explains that kids today aren't interested in the kinds of toys he makes anymore, the kinds of toys that are made with love and care and that are, you know, one of a kind. And um, of course, Judy's like, I do. (laughs) One thing I've noticed about you, you don't have a doll. That doesn't seem natural to me. A little girl without a doll is somehow incomplete. I had 
Teddy when I left the cupboard. But the clumsy little deer dropped him in the forest. <laughs> I, I dropped it in the forest. That's a shame. I can't replace Teddy, but I can make sure you have some company whilst you're here. So Gabriel gives her this doll, which is a a punch. Uh, he calls it Mr. Punch. It's a punch doll, and. Uh, of course, it's a play on Punch and Judy, which yeah. I don't really know the history of this. Do you like it, the name is familiar to me and I recognize the look of the doll with the hooked nose and he's like a jester. But Punch and Judy, was that like an old TV show from like the 50s? Oh, Punch and Judy goes back even further than that. I think it's like goes back to medieval times. I oh. mean, this was a classic two character and historically puppets, like a puppet theater kind of thing. Well, it's one of those things, one of those British things, you know, like pantomime and whatnot, gotcha. where, uh, yeah, you just had this, this Punch doll and this Judy doll, and they would argue and fight with each other, and Punch actually would, would hit Judy with like a bat or a club or something like that. Oh, now that you say that, I can see it in my mind, mm-hmm. so I know that I've seen it. Um, or some iteration of it. And it looks just like this doll. Yeah, the classic punch look is, is this, this doll here. So, yeah, that that was that was cute. I, I thought it was hilarious when they're at the table and they're discussing um, stuff and I don't know what, what, what work one guy does. And then Rosemary asks, what kind of work is that? Witchcraft? You remember yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they, <laughs> and they both look at each other. And then, ha, 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 and these two forced laughs, like, oh, yeah. my gosh. Oh, you figured us out. Yeah, it, oh. was, it was funny. Like, they blow it off. And and so all these people are together in this spooky old mansion, and Gabriel takes them all around and gives them their own rooms, and um, the wicked parents are pleased that they're going to have their own room, and Judy's going to have a different room. Mm-hmm. Judy and Ralph are the last ones to be escorted to their rooms, and before they even get there, Gabriel shows them... Like, his workshop, I think, Ralph is enamored immediately. Like, you (laughs) see... Ralph is a little too overly excited about dolls, I'm afraid. <laughs> he is, but it's cute. And it's, it's funny cute. Be- it's funny because it's like he knows that he shouldn't be so excited about it, but he is. And mm. Gabriel picks up on that immediately and he's like, Oh, you like dolls too and he's like, Oh well, yeah, I did when I was a kid. And he has a whole story that I feel like, you know, this had to be one of the bases of the plot. My father taught me everything I know. Funny, I was just thinking about my dad. He used to tell us stories about how toys woke up after we were asleep, and they'd start to wander all over the house. So I stayed up night after night to see if I could catch my toys playing on their own. <laughs> Never made it, but I figured, well, if they're having such a good time with or without me, they might as well eat. So I, uh, I started leaving cookies for them under my bed. And what happened? I raised several healthy families of ants. <laughs> and as it turns out, I, if I remember correctly, he lost his parents when he was very young. And yeah. so he's kind of held on to some of these childhood things. And in, in fact, he does, you know, kind of have an affection for toys and dolls and stuff, which ultimately ends up being significant to the plot. It, it's silly and it's over the top. And the actor who plays him Stephen Lee plays it over the top yeah but it's cute like he feels like a big kid and he feels like a suitable companion for Judy and that and they do they come together they bond when Judy starts seeing things and hearing things um, in the house she goes to her parents but her parents don't believe her at all and so she goes to Ralph eventually and is like do you believe kids when they tell you stuff and he's like yeah I guess and she tells him the stuff that's going on. And even though he's skeptical, he doesn't just brush her off like her yes. parents do. Um, and it's nice. They have a cute little relationship. And this is, this is again, I believe we talked about this in another movie, too. Oh, it must have been Invaders from Mars, right? Where that's like every kid's kind of fear and also fantasy is that yeah. adults will believe me, right? Right. And this movie plays on that as well. Ralph is the kid at heart. He's the only adult who's going to believe the kid. And even though he is over the top with it, he, he's got kind of an aw 
Chuck's way of, of going yeah. about it all. He has this like naivete and innocence that's, you know, really unbelievable, but it's also really cute. And it's fun to see in this movie. And at least you kind of know where everybody's going to stand. Like, there's no question Ralph is going to live through this, you know? Right, right. <laughs> and, and also, I feel like that scene, that early scene when they have that discussion about the dolls, not only does it set up that really important plot point and, again, hits you on the head with this whole, oh, yeah, dolls come to life, as if we haven't seen enough dolls coming to life just before this. It, it also really, I think, kind of establishes that if you are cool with the old people, you're going to be fine. Right. right? That these these old people are not, you know, it's not like you you stumbled into Dracula's den and they're out to get you. It's they are kindly old witches <laughs> or whatever yeah, they, yeah, doll maker witches out, right yeah yeah but they're nice and friendly as long as you're also nice and friendly and, and that's how it turns out i mean it's all it's really a test really mm-hmm. if you're a good decent person you're gonna be okay and if you're an asshole then you're gonna get what's coming to you <laughs> and and our first asshole is the one of the one woman that dressed like madonna right what was her name was she uh, isabel she was isabel <laughs> Did you hear what she said? Yeah! We can play the radio for a while. Oh, about the antiques. Well, what about them? Well, this place is loaded with them. I bet they're old jewelry and stuff stashed somewhere. We could swipe it tonight. Leave in the morning and those two would notice it for days. Or maybe even years. <laughs> no, they call the police. Do you see any phones around? We could make a fortune here. A lot more than we could nick in old Ralphie boy's wallet. And so she goes out because she's less afraid of wandering out in the dark by herself. And I think she's even holding like a lighter or a candelabra or something. That's the other cute thing about this movie. It's like nobody has a flashlight. No. (laughs) And there's electricity in the house, and yet they will still walk around with these great candelabras. But that's fun. It's It's a great haunted house feel. Again, it gives it that good feel, right? It's like House on Haunted Hill. It's like the same kind of deal. So that she's wandering around this house. And again, this house is awesome. And it is so classic haunted house. And it's filled with antiques. This movie doesn't look cheap at all in this way. Anyway, she wanders around. And sure enough, um, as she's rifling through the drawers and things, we see dolls looking at her, turning towards her. Again, they're dolls stuffed in every nook and cranny of this house, including on top of a mantle. Uh, of a room that she's in, of a fireplace of a room that she's in. Uh, and she turns and she opens a music box and she walks away and the music box, you know, opens back up again. And then this is kind of all this back and forth until the dolls finally jump on her. She's on the floor and something is dragging her across the floor and then grabs her arms and pulls her arms out and slides her towards the wall and just basically hits her head into the wall several times and then slides it out into the hallway where Judy sees it, because she's up getting a drink of water. And that horrifies her, as this Madonna girl (laughs) looks up at her with this bloodied, bruised face, reaches up in that classic, help me, pose, and gets sucked around the corner. (laughs) Again, by these unseen dolls. Yeah, I thought that scene was good, too. And it was uh, effectively brutal. You know, she gets her face smashed up against the the baseboard and stuff. And and I thought that it was especially brutal because Judy witnesses the aftermath. And it is pretty gross. And, like, for a kid to see that kind of stuff is a little unsettling. Yeah. But I, I wanted to go back to what you were saying about the house because it is so cool. And they built all of that, like... Uh, apparently they built this two-story structure in a soundstage and it was, you know, really just like the interior of a house with hallways and rooms that they could enter and exit out of. Um, and all around it, you know, was there was no exterior. It was just the interior on the soundstage. But you're right. It looks great. I mean, it's, it's so convincing as this old spooky house and they do it up so well and one of the other things that I liked about it is that the dolls and the toys are so omnipresent. Like, they're everywhere. <laughs> and there are tons of them. Everywhere you look, there are these dolls. And they're these old-fashioned, like, porcelain face dolls, most of them. And from afar, they look very normal. But when you, whenever they do close-ups on them, they're obviously, you know, 
effects created dolls with with movable eyes and even their faces have some mobility uh and they're they're super spooky you know this was made in the 80s and it was made primarily with practical effects and there are some times i noticed at least once um when you can see the strings manipulating them. oh yeah but but i didn't care i don't know i just thought it was fun and that's the thing it's not a great movie it's really not um yeah. there's really you there's a lot of criticism that you could hurl at it but there's also some really cool stuff going on and and i i don't know for that alone i at least appreciate it it's it's kind of cool on that level you know you do hate to you do hate to knock this movie too much because it does have a lot of heart. Yeah. And it's effectively made. Not effectively made. It's well made. You know, I mean, so much of it is well made. The cinematography is fantastic. Um, again, some of these actors, mostly the old people, you know, are really quite good. Nobody else is. The girl's not very good. You know, I was just thinking, Ralph reminds me a little bit of like a younger Sean Austin. He was giving me a little bit of that Sean Austin vibe. Yeah, I I can see that a little bit. Like the, it's funny you you said that, and then my mind immediately went to Sean Penn, and I'm thinking maybe a little bit more Chris Penn. <laughs> <laughs> no, like Goonies era, Sean Austin. You know, well, he's got that kind of you know doe eyed innocent thing going on. It's hilarious when Judy goes in to uh, wake him up and do what you had said earlier and, you know, to wake him up and say, hey, do you believe kids when they say things? And he's sort of like, yeah, sure. And she says, well, these dolls have killed this this girl. And he's like, oh, okay, I'm going back to bed. And she's like, oh, you said you'd believe me and kind of shakes him. And as she walks away, he looks down and he sees. What's that on your slippers? I don't know. That's blood. Yeah, well, it was pretty bloody when they dragged her away. it was so funny it is funny and there are parts you know like I don't know if they were intentionally playing it for comedy but there are parts that are so over the top especially towards the end Mm. that you know they they had to kind of at least be a little bit in on the joke I think so I think so. But I'm I'm cool with it. Like, that's fine. Basically, then, you know, from here, what happens is all of the bad people kind of get picked off as Judy and Ralph are kind of walking around and exploring. And I think the next one to go is the stepmother, right? Rosemary? Mm-hmm. It, it's It's very simple, you know? Like, she's just laying in her bed, and all of a sudden she starts seeing things under her covers moving and the dolls are giggling the dolls are always giggling i read that the director you know it was his wife and kids and family friends and things who recorded all of these giggles um that were that are pretty funny so she throws the covers off and what do you know they're here are all these dolls mm-hmm. um and and they you know they look mean like they've got mean faces and they've got like knives <laughs> <laughs> They're all stabbing. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. And they do. They start stabbing her and then she gets up and they're they're like like trying to hack off her limbs with a hacksaw while she's just standing there and uh, Yeah, like they they have a hacksaw. (laughs) 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 And eventually, you know, eventually she, you know, kinda starts trying to fight back. And it all happens relatively quickly, and and again, eventually, like, the dolls are, every time she turns around, there's just, like, dozens of dolls, like, in her path, menacing her. Um, And eventually, I don't know what her thought process was here, (laughs) but she goes and takes a flying leap over one of the groups of dolls out the window, (laughs) and apparently that's what killed her. Now, I read that when they initially shot the movie... And the producers watched it. They wanted more gore. And so they actually went back in and refilmed a bunch of shots with a lot more gore. And one of the shots that they filmed was one of the dolls disemboweling Rosemary with a pitchfork. (laughs) Uh, and, And there were lots of other things, too, apparently. But then I guess they shot all that footage. And then they went back and watched it with all that footage, and they were like, yeah, never mind. Too gory. <laughs> it's a little too much. I, I would almost argue it's already too gory. Like, it just, um, tonally, 
it, this movie, I think, almost could have been a little more successful if, well, I don't know, probably not. But, you know, there's a lot more that had to be improved. But it could have been a little more successful if it had been more squarely aimed at kids, I think. Yeah, yeah. And the only thing that keeps it from being squarely aimed at kids is, I, I said to my wife, I said, you could cut 10 seconds out of this movie and you could show it to, to any kid. Right, but without cutting those 10 seconds... Probably not because it, it is pretty brutal and, yeah. and the effects look pretty good. They look pretty real and bloody and gross and mm-hmm. yeah, probably a little too much for little kids. Now, I, I guess maybe I was just a weird little kid because that stuff didn't bother me, um, well, yeah. but I certainly wouldn't show it to my niece and nephew yet, you know, like they're 10 and 7. No, <laughs> too little. <laughs> they're not as weird as you, Craig. I know, and it makes me sad all the time, but it's all right. Um, and then, so Rosemary gets killed, and then uh, Enid, was that her name, the other Madonna girl? She goes out looking for Isabel, and this was, it's, I don't know, kind of cool, I guess. Like, she makes her way up to the attic where where uh, Isabel has been dragged, and she's looking around. And the first time she's up there, she actually ends up getting up there a couple of times. But yeah. the first time she's up there, she doesn't find anything. But we see Isabel tied up in a corner in the dark, and... Frankly, it just looked like the actress wearing a doll mask yeah. at first. Yeah. Um, but th- the the idea that you're supposed to get is that she's turning into a doll. Um, and eventually Enid makes her way back up there and she finds Isabel. And this is where we get the homage to the cover art that the producer demanded Isabel like leans forward and her doll eyeballs fall out of her head into the pool of blood between her legs. And she picks them up and holds them next to her head. Um, and Enid screams and tries to run away. And then the dolls get her. And I, I liked this scene too, because one of the things that, I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast, but I think that you and I have talked about it, like even uh, about like the child's play series, like, mm-hmm. How are these people getting killed? Like, it's a doll. Just yeah. pick it up and toss it away. Yeah. And I, I liked that this movie addressed that to an extent. Like, she, when she's fighting the dolls, eventually she pulls off her boy toy belt with the big boy toy belt buckle, and she just starts whipping them with it. And that is effective yeah. for a while. She can keep them at bay. And she's burning them. Yeah. Yes, yes. And and there's also some cool stuff here like when she breaks away their porcelain faces, there's like these decrepit monstrous looking skeletons underneath. Um yeah. which is kind of cool. Well, and that was unexpected to me. And again, I guess maybe maybe that comes from the the cover art, right? But it makes this different. See, when when you watch this and you're first watching it and the guy says that he's a doll maker and he has his workshop and he has legitimate doll parts and everything everywhere, you're thinking this yeah. is kind of a Toulon thing, right? That he is these, yeah. he's made these 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 plastic and porcelain dolls come to life. But what we later find out as this goes along as evidenced by Isabel, you know, turning into a doll, is no, they're turning people into dolls. And so that's what makes the dolls alive. They're just like creatures that are just like disguised as dolls. It's like, right. So when they break, when they, you know, the porcelain shatters and underneath them is this, like you said, this kind of gross looking face that's like, I guess, supposed to be a shrunken human without skin yeah. or something. It's uh, it's definitely shocking, and, it, and it's nice to get a little twist like that at this point in the film. Yeah. And I thought, legitimately, um, that bit when earlier on, when they're up in the attic looking around and they don't see her, but we do, mm-hmm. that is the creepiest part of the whole film. Yeah, it was kind of creepy. And, and it's funny because, I again, I was you know just reading stuff about this, and they had already released the girl who played Isabel, so it was actually the director's wife who plays Rosemary. It was actually her. Oh, really? Yeah, it was actually her <laughs> under that mask. Um, and, you know, it's key. we talk about this. We talked about this when we reviewed 31, about how Rob Zombie casts his wife all the time. Apparently, Stuart Gordon worked with his wife regularly. Uh, I think she was in Reanimator. She was in a few of his other movies, too. You know, just to read kind of some of the backstory of some of this, that 
it's cool to see how these people who have intimate relationships with one another support each other you know mm, like yeah carolyn purdy gordon gordon not only did she play her own role but then she also played isabel when she was turning it she was also you know some of the voices of the laughing dolls i don't know just those little <laughs> production details are just kind yeah. of interesting to read about i do i do have to say that this girl's demise much like much like her demise uh, is really disappointing. You know, she puts up a good fight and she does her own version of jumping out the window where she comes in front of a line of to- toy soldier dolls and for some reason this stops her in her tracks. Like, she doesn't want to whip them and it's not really clear why. And she just stands there mm-hmm. while the general doll raises his saber and the lineup of infantry dolls shoots her and they shoot like real bullets i guess and they blast her away like why didn't she just run up and kick them over right of course of course why not but at the same time i kind of liked it because it was okay i can just whip them with my belt and then they're not dangerous anymore and then she comes out and she sees and the the toy soldier dolls are super cute like mm-hmm. they look like super cute toy soldiers and but then they end up being deadly and it's kind of the answer to that question like yeah you can whip some of us but we have guns so <laughs> <laughs> and, and hacksaws <laughs> yeah and and they do like they blow her away like you know she's got squibs under her uh, clothes that blow out like it's it's pretty gruesome yeah it really is and then she's done then there's a scene where judy and ralph are looking around and they end up in the storage room and this was my favorite scene with the dolls because this was when the dolls were the most animated um mm. first of all they were they reveal themselves judy at some point sits down with ralph and she's got her punch doll and punch speaks do you know something that I don't know? I, uh, I guess I do. Oh, honey, I wish I knew what you were talking about. You know, Ralph, deep down inside, you know. <laughs> so, like, they reveal themselves, and then they end up in this uh, storage room, and all the dolls animate and, and come to life. And they're not threatening. Yeah. Actually, now that I say that this is my favorite part with the dolls, this is also maybe the part that frustrates me the most because I feel like Ralph acts totally out of character in this part. Yeah. Because he starts, he's like, well, we got to get out of here. Damn these dolls. And he starts like stomping on them and stuff. And I get why for the purposes of, the plot, the plot he needed to do that but it just seemed out of character it was ab- it was 180 degrees out of his character right, right. It, and it put him on the same level as all the other adults which and it was stupid because the whole reason that the dolls are not attacking for example judy is because she's kind and she's nice and she respects right. them and ralph the whole time through was on the same plane as judy and so it makes no sense for him to be doing this except to service the plot. And that was so transparent. Yeah. And it really annoyed me, too. Yeah, me, too. Uh, you know, ultimately it works out because, you know, they – so the dolls get pissed, as they should, and um, they start attacking him until Judy screams at them, stop, stop, he's my friend. Um, and they do stop. And then Judy and Ralph sit there while the dolls have like a like a conversation. <laughs> they have like a like a powwow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and we can't understand what they're saying, but apparently Judy can, and she keeps saying they're trying to decide whether you're a grown up or you're just a kid disguised as a grown up. Yeah. And Ralph's like, I've been trying to figure that out my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> but ultimately, the dolls are benevolent and let them go. Meanwhile, the dad, David, finds Rosemary's dead body in the bed, and it that's kind of a stupid and gross scene where the dead body somehow mysteriously, like, crawls on top of him. Like, it doesn't even make any sense. No. But it, he thinks that Ralph did it for whatever reason. I don't know. So he goes out looking for them, and he finds them in the basement, 
and he starts attacking Ralph, but then Punch, the doll, sticks up for Ralph and starts attacking the dad. Ultimately, like, there's kind of a fight between them, and it's it's kind of cute and funny because Punch the doll is, is cute and laughing and stuff. But eventually... Uh, David gets the better of him. Meanwhile, the the dolls have just pulled Judy and Ralph away. Like, like <laughs> we're just going to get you out of here. And so David uh, defeats Punch and stomps his head in. And then the old couple shows back up. And there's this whole scene where they're talking to him. It's funny because he calls Hillary, you old witch. And she's like, oh, you figured it out. (laughs) (laughs) So it turns out they are witches. And the old guy says to him, Hillary and I think the bitterness people feel as adults can turn to love if they surrender to the goodwill toys provide. Some people can be saved. We give everyone a sporting chance. But the others, like you, well, they have to start over and play a new role in the big game. Out of nowhere, David, we see that he's in pain, like he's writhing in pain, and then he transforms in a very cool, practical way into Punch the doll that he has just uh, destroyed. And so that's where, you know, like you've already alluded to it, but that's where we are cemented the idea that these that's what these people do they're witches and they kind of you know take these people in and they test them and if you pass the test if you're a decent person then you're all good and if you're a jerk then you get turned into a doll and you become part of their collection uh-huh. and i don't know that's kind of it's kind of cool <laughs> it, it is neat and that's where it gets a little fairy tale-ish right yeah that's where it's yeah. kind of like a like a version of hansel and gretel which i in, in ironic not so ironically the girl was reading in bed yeah, uh, yeah. In, during the day so well and i think part of what makes it so effective is that the these older actors um the ones that play the elderly couple they're very good and very convincing um yeah and i i liked them a lot and so they really sold uh, this explanation at the end. They were the only ones to sell it. <laughs> they were the kind only of. ones to sell this movie, to be honest. Yeah. And then I just think the ending is so funny. And, and this is. is such a tongue-in-cheek ending. I mean, they had to do this laughing hysterically. Because yeah. then I guess they sort of fall asleep because in suddenly the old couple wakes up, Ralph and Judy... And they're like, ah, oh, like, like, what happened? What happened? And they're like, well, you guys were out for a while. You were sleeping and, and whatnot. And, and so we woke you up. And Judy's like, well, where is my dad and my stepmom? And the, dad, <laughs> the grandpa says, oh, I'm really sorry to have to tell you this, Judy. And he pulls a note out. Yeah. It's ostensibly written from them saying that they've left uh, and that they uh, left enough money for a plane ticket to Boston so that she can rejoin her mom. And they're moving to a different country and changing their names. <laughs> changing their names. That's right. So don't bother looking for it. <laughs> and then and then Ralph's like, well, what about the two girls that I came with? And he's like, oh, yeah, hold on a second. And he pulls out the he's getting and he's like, P.S. I took the two hitchhikers with me. <laughs> And then Ralph's so like, funny. let me see the note. And the guy just tosses it in the fire. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and Ralph's like, well, what about me? And he says, oh, well, they left enough money for your plane ticket, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so they just kind of have to accept that and they leave. The old people are like, we went out to check on your car in the night. We managed to get it out of the mud. Oh, you did? You old, decrepit people? Cool. <laughs> Awesome. That's right. And uh, then when they're when Judy and Ralph are driving away, Judy's like, "You'll really like my mom. She's young and pretty." <laughs> Have you ever wanted a daughter? <laughs> well, apparently there was supposed to be a sequel to this. Yeah, they had they had written up where Judy and Ralph go away, and Ralph ends up marrying Judy's mother and becomes her father, and then they get in the mail two dolls that are. The toy makers. Yeah, the toy makers. And that would have been kind of interesting to see where sure. they go with that. Yeah. It's a shame that that didn't happen. There's, he made a plenty of killer doll movies since here, though. I mean, you, yeah. this was just the beginning <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for Charles Band. And then it has kind of an interesting cap at the end where the we see a long shot of the house. And in front of the house, we see another car pull up and get stuck in the mud. 
And this is all while the credits roll. And sure enough, like a mother and father pop out of the car and come around and check it. It's just it's just like a replay right. of the previous scenes. And they have two kids that they yank out of the car uh, that they're clearly treating poorly. <laughs> and we see that this is just going to happen all over again. So, yeah, Which is, I liked, I liked that. I liked that they included yeah. that. It, you know, it kind of adds to the mysticism of the whole thing. Like, you know, this just kind of plays on a loop. You know, this is what these people do. Yeah, like there's something that draws bad parents to this house and forces them into this situation. Well, and, and that's very fairy tale too in that mm-hmm. you know the the bad people get what's coming to them and the good people live happily ever after and i don't know i like that aspect of it really talking about it with you i'm appreciating it more than when i was watching it yesterday yeah um because it's it's easy to identify its flaws of which there are many but there is something charming about it too and and i can understand why I enjoyed it so much as a kid. Oh, and one thing that we left out was um, when they were leaving, Judy says, oh, I wish I could say goodbye to Mr. Punch. And the guy, Gabriel, pulls out the Punch doll, who we know oh, is yeah. the dad, because, and he's even dressed in the dad's pajamas. Mm-hmm. And she's like, goodbye, Mr. Punch. I love you. And in the dad's voice, he says... Buy short stuff and like Ralph and Judy kind of look at it weird and then they just leave. <laughs> I re- I remember as a kid thinking that was weird, and, and it's it's dark, you know, it's like really the, just her her dad, her father is gone and like damned to be in this toy forever. But he was a jerk anyway. Yeah. So. She's better off. It would, have been, it would have been even darker if they had handed her the doll. Yeah. <laughs> she got away with him. Oh, well, gosh. It's funny, like you said. I mean, you kind of wanted to not like this movie, and there were times when it really felt like it was dragging, even though it's only like an hour and 15 minutes long. Right. And there's so much that's corny and goofy about it, but it's got a lot of good things going. And like I said earlier, its heart was really in the right place. And it works as almost, it almost works as a kid's horror movie. It just Mm. fails on a little too many levels to to be a good movie. But it's from the same pedigree, you know, as Troll. Yeah. And, you know, these people later on went on to make Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I mean... Troll is is better, I think, as a kid's horror yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. But this one is not worse by too many degrees. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got its charms. Uh, I'll give it that. And I, if you haven't seen it, if you're a horror enthusiast and you haven't seen it, it's on Amazon Prime. Um, I, you could probably find it on YouTube. I don't know. It's not like... You know, it's some classic that people are guarding carefully. <laughs> it's, I'm sure it's widely available. And if you haven't seen it, it's worth checking out. It's only an hour and 15 minutes of your time. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's worth giving it a and, go. and laughing at and stuff. And I will, I will absolutely, I, I won't watch this again, but I'll probably watch at least one more time with, with my son. Sure, sure. Some, somewhere down the line. Yeah, in the distant future. all right well thanks for hanging with us for another episode of two guys in a chainsaw um if you have any comments uh about this movie if you remember it fondly or if you uh know anything about it have any insights that we failed to mention today please feel free to comment on our facebook page or our website Todd, I'll once again throw the website to you because I always screw it up. Twoguys.red40net.com There you go. We love hearing from you, and we appreciate you taking your time to uh, give us a listen. Until next time, I'm Craig. And I'm Todd. With Two Guys and a Chainsaw. (laughs) 